0: Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart.
1: Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Boy, does it feel really good to say that. I have not done a show since June 7th. Those who watched my June 7th show or listened to it know that I've been dealing with COVID and long COVID and a number of other health issues and just trying to fire up the brain power to do everything. This is the first time I've ever had a break this long, but I knew, 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 knew like I did on the June 7th show when I had John David Mann on that um, today I needed to be here for a very special guest, somebody very important to my heart. To my soul, somebody who I've known. I am trying to figure out how long I have known him in person. We've had many cocktails together back when I lived up in, in Norwalk, Connecticut, but somebody that I've admired for a lot of years for who he is as a person and who he is as an author and a newspaperman and so many, and as a leader in the world. And I had to come on today because He is launching his latest Geneva Chase mystery, The Whisper Room. Welcome, everybody. My dear friend, my, oh my God, I can't stop devouring every book he reads. And they need to be three times as thick because I finish them too quickly, even when I try to slow myself down. These books make me so happy, Tom. Um, I don't even know what to say, but they just... I read them, and even though you know they're murder mysteries, and some of the topics are like, oh my god, I'm still smiling from the moment I get it in my hand. I'm sad when I get to the very last page because I'm like, I want more, I want more, and you've written this is the fifth book. Yeah,
0: I'm. I, I, you make me smile. I mean, you just <laughs> make me so happy when we're talking together. And, and yeah, I don't know how long it's been since we've known each other. Several lifetimes, I guess. But yeah, you and I, we, we, we did the cocktail thing when I was working for a newspaper up, uh, up, up north. and uh, And now we've stayed friends all these years. So I am just delighted to be here talking with you.
1: Yeah, many, many Chamber of Commerce events and other charity events and board events and just being out and about in the community. And I mean, now, in addition to being this incredible, I feel like I should whisper cause it's called the whisper room, um, author who I, I can, can I share the latest accolade that happened?
0: Please, please do. Okay.
1: All right, cool. I'm so excited about this. Um, I don't know if my listener, if all of you know this, but there are awards in every genre of fiction, just as there are in nonfiction, right? And one of the biggest awards in the, in the world for what Tom writes for is called the Edgar Award. And he was nominated for this year's award, one of five people in the world nominated for the Edgar Award for this you were robbed, totally robbed, Tom. Ah, but ah, ah, I mean that—that's an incredible feat. You've written five books, and you are—you were nominated for this worldwide award that is such a pinnacle of your career. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, I. You know what's funny is uh, what-
1: As, he's also the head of the Chamber of Commerce of charteret uh, Carteret County. Uh, North Carolina. <laughs> or is it South Carolina?
0: i got people out here answering the phone, but it oh, yeah. still rings in here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was back in January. And, uh, you know, I, I really don't write thinking about awards. I, I write because I, I enjoy writing and I like telling stories. And uh, my old publicist, who has since retired, sent me a note on Facebook and he said, congrats, dude. And I go, you know, what for? And he said, the Edgar. And I go, what? Because I hadn't heard. And I I went on uh, Mystery Writers of America website and I took a look and I'll I'll be darned. Um, Yeah, I was listed as one of the nominees. And I was the only one here in the office, um, which was fortuitous because I do not dance But I was literally (laughs) dancing around the office because, yeah, it's a little bit like being nominated for an Oscar if you're writing mysteries. And uh, there was a black tie affair in New York City in April, and I met some really cool authors. Um, I did not win. It was Tracy Clark, a very deserving author in her own right. Um, and that night I called my agent and I said, Kimberly, I'm, I'm sorry, I, you know, I didn't win. And she goes, you were one of five authors who nominated for this award. Um, I'm proud of you. So um, I, I'm going with that. And my publisher keeps putting it on everything when they talk about me. They say, Edgar nominated Thomas
1: Woo. Yeah, it's it's like the actors who were an Oscar nominated 30, 40 years ago, that always follows them and, makes it even bigger each thing that they do and they get more opportunities because of that. But your books are totally worthy regardless of all of that. When you were in New York at one of my favorite hotels in Manhattan, you told me earlier, it was the Marriott Marquis where the event was. Do they still have the spinning restaurant up top? No,
0: uh, I don't think they do. Um, okay. They've got a great restaurant. I know I, I, mm-hmm. I I ate there and spent way too much money, but, uh, you know, I don't think the (laughs) revolving restaurant's still there.
1: Okay. Um, you were there with tons of other mystery writers. I always love to ask this question of when I have authors on this show, most never get to an event like the Edgar awards presentations and, and everything. Was there one person that was there that when you met them, you were like, I am so glad I met them or, you met them, and they you went. Wow, they're not what I expected.
0: Um, no, every, you know, generally speaking, in the mystery writing business, everybody's very, very supportive of each other, and I, I've ha- I've have yet to meet a single author who who hasn't been friendly and helpful, and um, I, and that makes me glad because I, I would like us to. Th- Think that we're all in this together, but the one author I I enjoyed meeting, um, even briefly, is a guy by the name of S.A. Cosby who wrote uh, Razor Blade Tears and uh, he's he has done a phenomenal job with that book and it's won just about every award. He was up for an Edgar as well, a different award, um, and he didn't win, he was robbed. <laughs> uh, but what a, what a nice guy he is! And then I ran into him a month later. I was up at Thriller Fest in New York, and it was a different hotel. Uh, he and I were signing books almost right next to each other, and he just—I mean—he's just a really small guy. So, um, yeah, I, I get—I get a chance to meet some of these people I've—I've I've read throughout the years, and it's—it's uh, it's kind of fun. And some of them even know who the hell I am. So, you know. <laughs>
1: That's that's really a nice reflection on who you are and what you're doing. The fact that they're recognizing you as well. But I love the fact that you speak so highly of this other person. And I we have been good friends on Facebook for a long time. And you're always commenting on other authors' things. And I have a tendency to plug your book in wherever I can to other authors that I've interviewed on the show, just like I try to do with their stuff as well. And that's so much about who you are as a person, Tom, that that's where you lead, right? You lead with everybody is in this together. We all can lift each other up. Considering that you were a newspaper man (laughs) for a long, long time and considering the stories that you write in here, how do you stay so positive?
0: Um, I, you know, there are just so many people who are worse off than I am. <laughs> I'm, I am just a lucky son of a bitch. I mean, you know, I I, I, I live in a wonderful location here on the coast uh, in North Carolina. Uh, I fell into a job. Uh, right now I'm the president of our Chamber of Commerce, and I'm a cheerleader for uh the entire county. Uh, we've got beaches. We got great restaurants. Uh, we actually did a national TV shtick this morning, which I, I'll tell you about later on. Brooke. Okay. Um, and I've got nothing to complain about. I, I just I am so blessed and so lucky. And as far as the books go, um, if you've ever worked in a newspaper, generally speaking, anybody who who is there wants to write a novel, and I was one of them. And um, I did it and I continue to do it and I continue to have fun doing it. So um, there is nothing to be uh, mad about or upset about. And sure, there are certain things that make me sad, but uh, there is way more things that make me happy. So and if I if I can help make somebody else happy at the same time, that uh, even makes me happier.
1: Well, you, you heard my opening for the show. So, you know that you make me happy. So. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, you and your wife and pop are always welcome to come visit down here.
0: You too. You know, we've got a guest room over here. Don't, don't tell the rest of the audience that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're always invited.
1: Thanks. If I can ever get my ear fixed and I can travel more than one hour in a car, I'm, I'm there. I am completely and totally there.
0: <laughs> Good. you love it here. we got some, like I say, I got, got some great restaurants and I'm not a bad cook myself.
1: Okay, cool. Cool. Now, You have a wife, as I mentioned, you got a great dog who you often have photos of your pup sitting there while you're writing, which please everybody find Tom on Facebook. And if you're not already friends with him on Facebook, do do that because it's so wonderful to watch when you're writing the book, because every author I know, including myself with what I've written and everything, it's helpful at some point to bounce things off of somebody. Is she somebody that you do bounce off of throughout the process? Is it, or not? Because some people don't want their spouses that involved too early because it's difficult.
0: Well, it's, it's a, it's a balancing act. I, if uh, I'm working on a new project, and as I'm working my way through it, I'll, I'll let Cindy know, what I'm thinking about doing and what this character might look like. Um, as far as uh, her helping me out through the writing process, she won't read any of my work until it's actually out in print. Uh, so she, she won't look at it until I get the advanced reading copy because unlike every other writer in the world, I keep changing it. Uh, I keep rewriting it and rewriting it. And if I had a chance to go back to the first book, I'd rewrite that yet one more time. So um, she doesn't want to keep <laughs> reading this stuff, uh, but she's, she's, she's my most ardent fan and she's also my most frigid critic. So uh, I can't slide anything by her. She's, she, she will call me out on it.
1: Do you have other people besides your editor and publisher and agent and stuff that you bounce things off? And how do you go about doing that? Because I know there's a, a lot of listeners today that you know want to write a book or are in process of writing a book and they love to hear everybody's process
0: yeah you know I, I teach creative writing at our local college and of, of the, course yeah of course um one of the things I let, I tell them in addition to writing every single day is they should have a beta reader who will, will take a look at their work and help them edit it and uh, let them know ex- really, realistically what they think about their work. Uh, you don't want somebody lying to you, you want somebody to be very, very honest. That being said, I don't have one. Um, I, I work on my own, uh, all by myself in my little office over the garage. And when I think I'm done, and generally I'm working on a deadline once the acquisitions process is, is in place, um, I'll send it to my editor. And then I wait. Uh, I usually have a really big glass of wine because it takes about 10 days until I hear from back from them, whether or not they like it or they don't like it. And uh, with it, just one exception, they've, they've always liked the work I sent. Of course, we do a lot of editing after that. There was one time on my second book, I sent the first 100 pages in and my editor looked at it and she goes, you know, I, I see what you're doing here. I see your are putting all the pieces in place for the mystery and that's all good but you know nothing happens it's boring. <laughs> and I go holy crap no. Um so I I rewrote those 100 pages completely from scratch in less than 2 weeks and sent it off to it and then she said you know this is terrific this is haunting it's scary it's fast paced I love it keep going. So um you know it's I, the first hundred pages always go through the editor first just to make sure you're on the right track. And then after that, I'm on my own.
1: That's interesting because, you know, I, I read it when it was in ARC, your second book. Mm-hmm. And it. I can't imagine that you had written anything differently than what came out for those first hundred pages. Because every one of your books, I'm just sucked in from the first paragraph, so that's interesting to know, really interesting that for that book, it it didn't go as well. But that happens to writers and you have to bounce back or just decide you're not going to be a writer. And well,
0: yeah. And, it, you know, your editor is always brutally frank. They, they have to be and they better be. And she I always I listen to my editors very, very carefully because that's this is the business that they're in. And uh, if they make a suggestion. You you don't always have to take it, but you should really think about it very, very seriously. And most of the time, I will take their suggestion and I I will make a change. Sometimes it's not precisely the change that they were looking for. Sometimes I I look for a way to even make it better after that. Um, But uh, I am blessed with I I work with some fine people.
1: It's really um, a testament, though, because once you find a great team, and you've, your publishers have changed mm-hmm. because it got absorbed by source books now, and that can often derail an, offer, an author. In this particular case, I think it went even more positive for you. Can you talk about what that was like when all of a sudden the person who's been publishing your books is no more and it's to a whole nother place?
0: Yeah, it's scary as hell because um, I'm. You know, you, you're not working with the same editor anymore. You're working with somebody different. You get used to working with someone, and you trust them. Like I say, you 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 built a trust uh, in working with Sourcebooks. Um, they it's a much larger company. Uh, they're very data driven, which is is the way a business should should be. I mean, they they're in it to make a profit, but they're in it to help me sell books. And because Sourcebooks um, has such a, a big marketing arm, and they're very good at what they do. Um, they're able to, to get my name and my books in front of people that uh, others really can't. The good, for instance, is they re-released Random Road last year uh, before my fourth book was released to, to you know build some interest, and somehow got it into the hands of one of the head buyers of Barnes and Noble. And he liked it so much, they made a, a very large investment in Random Road and then made a very large in, investment in Shadow Hill. And it was on the front table of all 600 stores for months. So, um, you yeah, know, that's the kind of thing a, a big publisher can do for you.
1: And that shows great belief because I, um, I, I know from personal experience of coaching some authors and, and everything or they're like, you've published a book. Could you talk to my friend? You know, and I always say yes. Right. And so many of them go, well, you know, if I sign with a big name publishing house, my book will be an immediate success. <laughs> what do you say to that? Um,
0: yeah. No, um, quick story. Um, you know, that's, of course that's what every author would like is to always
1: a, I've written, kind of written it. Copies. Therefore it yeah. will sell a million copies.
0: <laughs> they will, if you write it, they will come. Um, I can remember, uh, getting one of my royalty checks early on and it was for something like, uh, $7 and 57 cents. And I I took it downstairs to my wife's home office and I said, well, you know, here I got, you know, here's my royalty check. And she says, well, okay. And I said, well, you know, I don't do this for the money. I do it because I enjoy doing it. And she grabbed the front of my shirt and she says, I never want to hear you say that again. (laughs) So, uh, you know, know, the the, the money is nice, sure. But, you know, what you want people to do is is read your story. You want people to enjoy it. It's like when you say, you know, it's a page turner. And, and, you know, when people say, well, it only took me two days to read this book. That's a real compliment. It takes me a year to write it. But, you know, it's a real compliment. So um, I love it when somebody says I couldn't put the book down.
1: Well, I hope your uh, your royalty checks are bigger than the seven dollars now. I was so excited. I got a thing from Audible. I got a check for ten dollars and sixty two cents for the audio version of What Would a Wise Woman Do? And you know, my book came out nine years ago. And I never really promoted the audiobook that frequently, but apparently people are still... Somebody has recently bought the audiobook off of Audible, and it's it's always exciting when you get that check from your publisher or from another source. But it means so much more when you get that review and you know people are buying it. So everybody, any of Tom's books that you have read so far wherever you have bought them, put a review up on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com, anywhere, put the reviews up and then share those reviews up on social media because it makes a huge difference. There's it my does, promo. Please,
0: please, <laughs> boy, nothing. I mean, it helps sell books, but it also makes me feel better.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, when I was reading The, the Whisper Room and You and I have talked over the years, you know, in between the books and you're telling me you're writing on a new, you've got a new book coming out and I'm like, I don't want to wait, you know, and you've talked about retiring your main character. Okay, for everybody on who's listening live or who might be listening to the podcast all five books follow this one character, Geneva Chase, this incredible crime reporter, kick-ass person who's got incredible group of people all around her. And yes, there's little areas in Fairfield County, Connecticut, and other areas that, because Tom and I are from there, I'm like, oh, I know that place. Oh, I love how he's changed that. That's very cool. So those are kind of fun things. But you've talked about maybe retiring this character and creating a different character, Um, I'd like to talk about that because this is a character, number one, that five books, you've been living her life as a male writing from a female character um, award nominated for it. What's that like to consider that and switch possibly to another character? And are you going to retire Geneva Chase? Because please say no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'll read anything you write. It doesn't matter, but oh, so sweet. I, you know, love I love you. the character.
0: Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, at some point in time, it's I, I like spending time with Geneva Chase and all the other characters in the books. And they, they become like family to you. And, and for me, at, at the end of a book, there's a certain sense of relief. Uh, but there's also a sense of sadness that I won't be spending time with them for a little while. And, uh, but there's also, you know, sometimes you're spending time around your family and you just, you don't want to spend any more time around your family anymore. You want to do something different. So, um, and I will tell you that, uh, I was only going to write as first person, female Geneva chase, just one book random road. And, uh, now I've written five of them and, uh, it's, it's not easy for me to write from the viewpoint of a female reporter, um. So I thought I'd try my hand at writing like a man uh, rather than, you know, write like a girl. So, um, you know, I was talking to my editor the other day, and uh, we may not be ready to retire her quite yet. Uh, but we may be also looking at uh, the possibility of a new series. So uh, if I do one or the other, it doesn't mean that I'm precluding the other one. It just means that maybe I'm going to be doing both. So there
1: you go you can even become like brad thor and stuart woods and other authors two books a year one with one character and one with another i frankly that just blows my mind that they're able to do that yeah, me too <laughs> she's become She has a life of her own, Geneva Chase, at least in my mind, right? Because I've read every book some of times, numerous times, especially, you know, you've been on the show for each one. And when I have somebody on the show who's got a book out, um, I read the book multiple times, right? So one straight through, and then especially if it's a nonfiction book, the second time through of what kind of questions do I want to ask and and whatever. And I'm not going to ask you specific plot questions or anything like that, because any question I would ask you would, I don't want anybody to have it spoiled for them. (laughs) When you write as a female, are there any things that you do to prepare yourself to get into the headspace of that?
0: Yeah. Um, what I'll do, actually, all, all my books are out on on Audible now. Um, I, I will plug in uh, one of my books and, and listen to uh, the remarkable woman who narrates my books. Her name's Rebecca Gibble, who I absolutely adore. And she's done all of my books. And she's got a great cadence. And she just, she seems to know Geneva Chase. And she does voices and she does accents. And she's just terrific. But by listening to those audible books, the audio books, uh, that gets me back into the mindset of Geneva Chase. Sometimes I go back through and read excerpts from some of the other books to get a feel for it. Uh, I do like to go back to the very first one, Random Road, And uh, because that, you know that was my baby, and that uh, there's there's just so much emotion, raw emotion in that book that was Geneva's. And I, I try not to ever lose that when she's, when she's doing something in a new book. She does have uh, a lot of heart and a lot of emotion. And uh, she's raising a 15-year-old girl uh, who's not even her own. And uh, she's got a dog <laughs> that's, you know, a lot like mine. Um, so I mean, you know, she's, she's vulnerable, but she's also fearless and fierce. And I, I absolutely adore her. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to spend a whole lot more time with her. Sometimes she can be a pain in the ass, but uh, you know, that's, that's Geneva chase.
1: And, and that comes out that she can be a pain in the ass in the book. So I love that, that aspect of it. And there are several friends of yours and ours from back in Norwalk that have chatted in so far. Uh, Cindy Clark and Richard cookie Thomas, who has that amazing voice. And, um, incredible singer that I knew from my, uh, Pitney Bowes days <laughs> back up in Connecticut. And then my dear friend, Alexis, uh, he's up there as well. So hi, everybody. You know, when you're writing a fiction book, it's so different than I think real life, but now you have also launched into another phase of Tom Kai's, the writer, um, The Carteret Community Theater is now based on your Facebook. Um, You've become not a screenwriter, but a playwright writing a murder mystery dinner based on your books. Please talk about this because it's hard enough to live normal life, right? And then now you're doing this and putting it on stage,
0: yeah, I actually, this was, uh, I, I have always, uh, done my book launches at a restaurant here called Floyd's. And, um, uh, the owner of Floyd's is a very dear friend of mine. She also happens to, uh, head up the culinary and hospitality department of our local college. And she said, for your, your next book, what would you think about doing a murder mystery? And it's like one of those things is, yeah, yeah, that sounds like, oh, that's fine. That's okay. And then, you know, we're coming up on the book launch about a month out. And uh, she says, no, I'm serious. Let's let's talk about doing a a murder mystery dinner at the culinary school and we'll do it as a fundraiser for both the school and for the local uh, community theater. Community theater uh, basically lost their building in Hurricane Florence. So they've been trying to get back and refurbish it again. So um, I'm happy to try to help them raise some money. And I wrote the script for uh, this dinner theater and all the characters in it, most of the characters are from my books, Geneva Chase, Frank Mancini, Frank Mancini's wife, uh, Mike Dillon, who is the cop, Shannonese, the dominatrix, is oh. one of the characters in the book. And, uh, you know, the woman who's playing the part of Shannonise is really getting into it. She she sent me a video of her in the leather. And she says, I think you created a monster. Said, <laughs> so um, these are all our community theater actors and actresses, and they're, they're having a ball with it so far. And tickets are $100 a person, but it's at the culinary school, so you'll know it'll be a gourmet meal. And it's a real mystery if you can figure it out. There are prizes, and I'm hoping you don't figure it out because I wrote the damn thing. Um, It is called Death of an Author. And uh, I don't actually play a part in this at all. I, I wrote a part for somebody to play me. And the guy who plays me, he's got the beard, he's got the hair, he's got the glasses but he's taller and better looking. so
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's impossible.
0: No, no, it's it's quite possible. And I'll tell you up front because it's called death of an author. That guy dies after the salad plate. And then you got to try to figure out who killed him, me, whatever. And if I'm still alive at the end of this, I will be signing books around dessert. I love
1: it. I love it. I put the link up for anybody watching live on where you can buy tickets if you want to go to Carteret County and support the rebuilding of the theater and just have fun and an incredible meal as well. What it sounds like Carter at community theater. So you can go up there and and find that how trying to figure out the best way to word this question. I'm still dealing with COVID brain, which is so much fun. Writing this, the play versus writing a book. Did you find you had to create a different process, put yourself into a different mindset? And if so, what was that like?
0: Yeah, because, uh, it's, it's, it's even different from writing a play on a stage because this will take place in and amongst the, the audience. Uh, the characters are actually seated with the audience and, um, They'll get a chance to interact with the audience before dinner, and then after the author dies, uh, there'll be some cocktails, and they'll be able to interact with the, the characters yet again. And it's primarily dialogue, but you also have to write some action to it, and the director is going to be handling most of that. Um, so it's, it's, it's mostly dialogue, and I can't write the description or i can't write what people are thinking um you have to get them to say these things and act it out but what is what is very very gratifying for me we've done a couple of read throughs uh table readings and the actors and the actresses seem to really get into it and they laugh at all the right places um oh. so i mean that's that's really cool um uh, everybody's sworn a secrecy; so nobody can tell you how this thing ends and um I, i'm I'm looking forward to it. a little anxiety going on, but my part is pretty much done. I've written the script. And once again, as a writer, I want to keep rewriting things and I can't keep rewriting it because that means everybody gets a different script every time I, I get a wild hair and I decide I want to change a sentence. So I have to let them and let this whole thing evolve, uh, which is a little difficult for me, but like I say, It's coming along and it sounds like everybody's having a really good time and everybody's looking forward to it. And uh, I did not write myself apart so I can sit in a corner someplace with a glass of wine and watch.
1: Do you have visions of this becoming something that other theater groups might buy or restaurants to do a murder mystery dinner? Like what was the really big one up in New York? Somebody in somebody's wedding? Yeah,
0: I don't remember what the what the title was, but that that was huge for a while.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't know. I I I, I have no. <laughs> you could go
1: up to Norwalk, Connecticut and arrange for some place to do it.
0: I could. Yeah, that would be fun. I'm not sure I kind of lost touch with a lot of those restaurants up there. I know the uh, Nor- Norwalk Hotel has that restaurant and he's right? still a little friend, so we could probably do it there.
1: There's so many different places you could potentially do it up there. That would be now a couple of them might not after Whisper Room comes out, especially one with a location setting in here. But that's okay.
0: <laughs> I, I will say that the, the the lady who is the head of the culinary department over the school, she, she's thinking about changing the dining area of the culinary school and calling it Whisper Room. So, I tell <laughs>
1: you. awesome! That's really yeah. really awesome. all right now does this is obviously being this author writing these books has bled into the rest of your daily life you mean you're the head of the chamber of commerce how does that impact your daily life as the head of the chamber of commerce or doesn't it
0: i i try not to let it um you know on occasion if we're at some Chamber of Commerce event in the evening, I'll have somebody walk up to me and ask if I'll sign a book, which I'll always do, um, or we'll have them come into the office to, to buy a book. And quite frankly, I don't i don't even have any books here to sell. Um, I, I send them over to our local bookstore, which is- Perfect. You know, yeah, it's a really nice little bookstore. And I love those people to death. So um, I try not to let the two merge um as well it probably shouldn't I you know when I'm here I'm here at our chamber office today I just finished off a a staff meeting before I I came to do this podcast and after I do the podcast I got another meeting after that so okay um, so I'm kind of sneaking this in between but my staff is very very good about letting me do this sort of thing I make sure they get get a signed copy of every book that I write so that's nice
1: yeah that's really nice, and you support the local independent bookstores, which is so critical. And Barnes and Noble to me has always been a local bookstore because so many cases in towns I've lived in, it was literally the only bookstore. Yeah, that was that was around, and uh, it's it's really special down here in Vero Beach. Somehow we've got to get you to do a book signing at some point. The Vero Beach Book Center is an incredible place. That's where I did my first uh, book launch there as well. It's just a wonderful independent bookstore. And they really care about books versus. And Amazon's amazing. I buy a lot of books off Amazon because of the, how easy it is with ebooks and things like that. There's something about walking into a local small bookstore. At, when you go there a lot, everybody knows your name. They're like, "Hey, Laura, did you know this book came out? We think you'd probably love that."
0: Yeah, and if, if they don't have a book, they'll, they'll order it for me, and they'll have it in a couple of days. And you know, I just like I like going in and, and, and talking what books are hot and what books aren't, and, and uh, it's it's just it's comfortable. It's a comfortable place to be.
1: Have you ever thought about writing to a different genre? Oh,
0: not really. Um, I, you know, I, I guess I write what I read and I read primarily mysteries. I I love reading mysteries and my wife and I, if we're watching television, we generally uh, love uh, watching mysteries on either television uh, or mystery movies Uh, I've discovered uh, on acorn TV. And I never even heard of it, but it's it's primarily British uh, mysteries.
1: British and, and Australian.
0: Yeah. And coming. there is a, a form of law and order <laughs> that takes place in London. And I thought, oh, this is going to be awful. I absolutely – it's like potato chips. I can't stop watching. <laughs> so, you know, I think I'm thinking about right uh, speaking with a British accent. Uh, it's just – I No, I I don't think if I if I tried my hand at anything else, it might be horror um, or maybe uh, science fiction to some degree. But I I haven't quite got into that mindset yet.
1: Okay, well, horror, I would struggle to read because I just have nightmares for months and months and months when I read those. So I just I just don't sci-fi. I'm totally in on the sci-fi as long as it's not alien Stuff. like the movie alien kind of stuff. I hear you, you saying that kind of stuff and you don't get as excited as you do when it comes to murder mystery. And acorn is awesome. Check out BritBox as well. There's a lot of other things on, on Brit box. Maybe the next book that comes out, whether it's a Geneva chase or a different character, maybe they'll have some Brit in there somewhere winding is his or her way around.
0: Yeah, maybe uh, if I do the if I do the next series, and I've or I've started, I'm about sixty, seventy pages into a first draft, it 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 takes place here on the coast. Uh, it's a transplanted uh, individual from New York, so he's a little bit like a, a fish out of water, like you, he like, like got there. He's a, he's a Yankee down here in the South, um, or as like we we like to say down here, he's from off. And um, so that's been kind of fun for me to to write so far, and it gives me a chance to talk about the you know the beach and uh, some of the things that we've got going on here, but also some of the backcountry. I uh, last year I went whitewater rafting with some of my neighbors, and we went way up in the backcountry, and uh, I, I kept thinking that you know if anybody ever killed me up here, they would never find my body. So um I think there's a mystery right there.
1: Have you watched Longmire yet? Oh yeah,
0: yeah, I'm a Longmire fan.
1: I just started and the it's it's an incredible series, but hearing you talk about, you know, the bad country up high in the mountains and nobody would find your body and all that other stuff. I watched Longmire and as a single woman I, I it freaks me out. <laughs> They're up in, like, the Montana, Wyoming, middle of nowhere. You know, they come upon these things that are hidden in the, in the woods. And that, that to me, is crazy.
0: Well, the, the place we were staying in last year, uh, they're just the nicest people in the world who let us stay there. There were six of us. And um, I get up fairly early in the morning, and before breakfast, the, the owner of the house was strapping a pistol on and he says, "Well, I'm, I'm going to go out and walk the dog." And I go, "You're taking a gun with you?" And he says, "Yep, just in case there's bears." I go, what the hell are we? <laughs> you know. So I, yeah, you know, being way out there, it was it was really neat, and I think that's you know what if I'm doing the next series, ah, we're going to have a couple of scenes out there.
1: Maybe Geneva goes on vacation somewhere. And gets caught up in something like that, too. That could be fun.
0: That's a possibility.
1: Total fish out of water in that case. My friend just posted on Facebook, she lives in Orlando, this picture of this giant, huge black bear outside her screen enclosure. I'm like, that's Orlando.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: we, obviously, we don't. Not, yeah.
0: We not have here, but that's, that's you know, we yeah. got big fish and that's about right. all. Sharks. We got sharks.
1: All right. Now you're a transplant. I'm a transplant, right? I went to Florida. You went to North Carolina after having always been up in the Northeast. What's been the hardest thing for you to get used to being in a completely different environment? And what's been the best thing that you're now like, I can't believe I've lived how many years of my life without that?
0: well there's a number of things here uh one people are, are really really friendly i mean they are just friendly to a fault and um like i said before the food here is spectacular when i first moved here i gained 17 pounds and i've taken most of it back off again but by god it, you know it's just easy to gain weight um the quality of life here uh you know the clean beaches the clean air it's a slower way of living um, sometimes it's a little hard for a Yankee like me to understand what some of these people are talking about. Uh, especially we have a dialect, uh, f- with folks it's called down East and, um, it's East of here, but it's really North of here. So it should be up East. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fishermen and it's a lot of, uh, heritage up there. And they're a little skeptic, skeptical of, uh, people from off. Uh, But once again, they're they're very, very friendly. A lot of them have a fishing heritage, and uh, they've got a dialect that's almost like Old English. First time I heard it, I thought somebody was speaking uh, with an Australian accent. Really? Yeah, it's an old, it's a a Down East dialect. And if you look it up, you can look it up on YouTube, uh, Down East uh, dialect, and that'll give you some idea that it's almost incomprehensible sometimes. (laughs)
1: It kind of reminds me of what people say up north with Cape Codders and things like that. There's this whole other language, and that's how they can determine if you're a lifer there or not, is by the the words you say. That's pretty cool. And that, of course, is Amazon now um, ringing my doorbell, which they haven't rung doorbells to say a package have arrived in... Two years and I'm dog sitting at the same time. This just proves to everybody I'm doing this live.
0: <laughs> I love it. love it. Love it. Love it.
1: Oh, all right. So I'm going to mute for a second and say something interesting, Tom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I. I, I, I I, I'm used to answering questions versus actually talking uh, all on my own. Uh,
1: <laughs> I thought that would be fun to just throw that at you while I shouted to Daisy to be quiet.
0: I, I could sit here and tell a couple of jokes, but I you know I, I, I'm not sure that's even good. I just some of them are a little off color, and I don't think we're going to do
1: that. Isn't it funny though how we could be in a room. Right. And you can start a conversation and have a conversation going wherever. But when you're being interviewed by somebody and then they throw it to you, hey, just hold the conversation, you know, carry the conversation for a minute. It's like I don't know how to talk anymore.
0: Yeah. And, you know, what's what's funny is I, I actually give talks. Um, so all the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm used to like getting it. And I was thinking, well, you know, I've got the opening of this speech that I always have given in a while, but how would that go over here online? I don't know. Just shut the hell up.
1: (laughs) All right. So let me throw a question out to you, which also you're going to have an opportunity to answer it any way you want, which you always do. But is there a question that you wish you've been asked in all the interviews that you've ever done on any of these books or anything that nobody's asked you that they wish you asked you.
0: Um, I, I, I guess I have been asked this a couple of times, but I, I kind of like it when somebody asks me the question in is, is Geneva chase based on a real character?
1: Now, I've asked you that one before. You
0: have asked me that, and you know uh, the. It's actually based on, on kind of two different ladies I worked with at at the newspaper up in Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh, one of whom I saw when my wife and I were up there in April for the Edgar Awards.
1: Oh, we had, nice! We had I didn't know You guys before. got together.
0: Yeah, and uh, it was just so nice to see her again. Um, and the other one is Judy, who now lives in Florida. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where in Florida she lives, but both of them, uh, they, their, their voices are in my head when I write the book. You, know, you were asking, how do you get into the, the head of uh, Geneva Chase? And that's, that's part of it. I, I try to remember some of the conversations I've had with them. And a lot of the conversations I've had with them were over glasses of wine. And, uh, you know, Back in the day, newspapers. We were hard drinking. Uh, at some point in time, I was I smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. Uh, that was just stereotypical. Now I don't. I haven't smoked since 1995. Um, I might have a couple of glasses of wine at night before I go to bed. I don't. I don't even. I don't can't remember the last time I was in a bar. Well, when I was in New York, I had a couple of drinks with some writer friends. But um, some of those people were just. They're fun, but they work hard and, uh, I kind of, I miss them sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Chamber of Commerce versus Newspaper Man. It's a very different way of spending your daily life.
0: Yeah. It's, It's certainly, you don't have the pressure of multiple deadlines every day. Um, I don't have an editor or publisher really breathing down my neck, um, but you know, it's still. I mean, you have got people you're trying to please. I've got a board, but they're the very you know they let me do what I really need to do, and, um, and we go from there. So that's great. Um, life is good.
1: Okay, last thoughts you want to share with everybody? Besides, buy the Whisper Room anywhere mm-hmm. you can get your favorite books on Audible or eBook, or I happen to like paper because I don't know. I just. Like paper books for special books. Um, and then if you do, review it, right? But anything you'd like to say? Last thoughts? No,
0: I would like to know how people think, you know, what they think about the book. It, it always makes me wonder, you know, whether or not I, I gave away the ending so far. I, I don't think I did. Um, there's reference to a movie in the Whisper Room, it's one of my favorite flicks. Um, Boy, I'll tell you, if I could write, uh, if I could write uh, cinema noir like that particular movie, that that would be quite something. And, and the, the next book I, I do write, if it's a new series, it will be more of a, a, a mystery noir kind of book, I think.
1: Well, you're kind of started moving towards that with your Carteret Community Theater murder dinner mystery thing. You keep moving with that. Next thing, it could be a movie or a TV series. I could see a Geneva Chase TV series. Totally well, could see that.
0: There, there was some there was some talk about them talking with Sony Pictures, uh, but you know, I haven't heard anything back from it. So, you yeah,
1: know, who okay. knows? I'm I'm looking forward to it. I want to thank you so much for being here with me today. And I know that we had to switch the time, which totally cool with that because you had that national thing this morning, which we cannot talk about. We will not talk about, um, until we can talk about it.
0: Sworn to secrecy.
1: Yeah. And I just always so grateful to see your face, hear your voice and hear what you're going on and doing with the books. It's wonderful to share with my listeners the, you know, your process and, what you think about the characters as well. So thank you.
0: Well Laura, thank you. It's so nice to see your smiling face. And I and I know it's been a while and I, I know you've gone through some, some some things and some situations. But thanks for, for doing this with me. Love you, love you, love you. So uh stay healthy, please.
1: I'm working on getting it. So mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And everybody who's watching live, I've got Tom's website down below. And Tom, this is where you want people to go to find out more about you. ThomasKies, K-I-E-S, author.com. I I call him Tom because I've always known him that way. All right. Why Thomas, by the way, for your official? Uh,
0: It was when I sent the manuscript to my agent way back, way, way, way back. I sent it as T.B. Kies. Because I was writing under the guise of a female. And I thought, well, hell, I'll fool them. J.K. Rowling, you know, never put on that she was a woman. I won't let them know that I'm a guy. And uh, my agent says, no, Thomas, you are Thomas. And she has always called me that. And uh, I've written as Thomas. And when she and I speak to each other, she is Kimberly. I am Thomas. And she's another lady that I just absolutely adore. That's great. So, yeah.
1: I don't think I could ever call you. I mean, I could call you Thomas, but I've known you as Tom too long because that's the way you introduced me ages ago. But everybody, the website is Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, K-I-E-S, com to go see everything that's going on. And there's links to go buy the books wherever books are sold. And uh, remind everybody how important reviews are for you, Tom.
0: Thank you. It's it's really important. It does a number of things. It helps us sell books, obviously, but uh, when you're you're anxiety written like uh, most writers are, we we need the we need the feedback.
1: Well, thanks for being on the show again.
0: Thanks for having me, Laura.
1: Talk soon. And everybody, grab a copy of Tom Thomas Kai's book, The Whisper Room. Get all five Geneva, Geneva Chase mystery books, starting with Random Road. You will not be disappointed. Post up on social media if you read them. I am at the Laura Stewart pretty much everywhere on social media. Tom paired up his channel for this live stream as well. Let us know what you think of the books. For me... I just wish they were three times as thick because I read really fast and I can't stop reading this once I start. I hate it when somebody tries to interrupt me when I'm reading the books. They are that good. So thank you everybody for being here today with me, my first time back in a couple of months. And I'm hoping to get back on a regular schedule. I do apologize. And for those who have reached out saying, hey, Laura, where are you? Um, I'm just trying to get through some health issues, and your reaching out means the world to me, just like it does to Tom as an author. Rating and reviewing this show keeps us found sharing the show, helps other people find it, talk about it, and let me know what you think and kind of guests that you'd like to have on the show. I love you all for listening. I'm really grateful for you every day. And remember, the right questions can change your life. Have a great day, everyone.
0: You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.